Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. Hey, Joe Patrice. How are you? Great. That's Catherine Rubino. We're editors at Above the Law, and we are here to do our weekly roundup of some of the biggest stories of the week that was in legal news. Indeed. Yeah. But as usual, because like jumping directly into things seems so, you know, so just kind of little harsh. Harsh, yeah, yeah. No, we try to have a little bit of personality. Pretend like we're people. Yeah, so we do a little bit of kind of fake acting like we're people. It's also to help you understand that the show is not run by chat GPT or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> With our little segment of small talk. Small talk. All right, what's up? So I spent this past weekend at a debate tournament. As um, is your want. As is my want. Regular listeners know that I, in my spare time, am a debate coach. And this was actually a qualification tournament for the national debate tournament. Yeah, okay. And we qualified. Well, there you go. Good so, job. Yay. Good job. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of effort, but we're, we did it. We did it. Yay. Uh, yeah. No, that's great. So have you been? I went to a debate tournament <laughs> and people qualified. So I don't really know as though I have much more to say than that. Well, I also recently watched uh, the new Marvel movie, Quantum Mania. Oh, okay. Have you caught up on the latest from that? Uh, sure. Is is that like a you just want me yes, to talk? Yes. Okay. Go. <laughs> it's an interesting movie. I think that it's get not getting some great reviews at all, but honestly, I thought it was a lot of fun. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. I uh, meanwhile am sitting here, kind of waiting. Uh, we've got a winter storm, kind of the first winter storm of any real note of the year. Uh, we managed in New York to avoid all of that. So hunkering down. Getting oh, that's ready for exciting. Did you buy like marshmallows to toast or something like that? Did you no. need s'mores? No. But that's what? a decent idea, by the way. You should. That seems like a summer thing. Not if you do it on your fireplace. I guess. Anyway, yeah. So hunkering down for that, heading to Chicago later this week for ABA Tech Show. Uh, obviously, legal tech news is what most people are super excited about. So that is what keeps people coming back to this podcast. Mm, yeah. It's not. Okay. Well, that'll do. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the end of, mercifully, to the end of small talk. Let's you now. You sound so frustrated with me, and we haven't even gotten to the substance of the podcast. Yeah. So <laughs> let's let's go. Let's get into the substance of the podcast. Awesome. What are we What are we talking about first? Oh, wow. So somebody didn't pay attention to the planning meeting? I did. I did. I think actually the big, biggest story. Of oh, wait, wait, wait. Were you just being quiet there as a setup to a discussion about quiet quitting? You got me. Oh, she quiet quit the podcast, which <laughs> I frankly wouldn't care whether it was quiet or loud. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, yes, there's a lawsuit in New York that was filed last week that where a law firm is suing one of its attorneys for, quote, quiet quitting her job. You know, that's kind of the headline. That's what gets the people excited about it. You know, will quiet quitting be seen as a violation of, you know, uh, 
any employment contracts, et cetera. And that's all interesting. But when you actually dig into the complaint, there's a lot more there. Mm. And some of the information that we have that the, you know, obviously an answer hasn't been filed yet or anything. It literally, the complaint was just filed. But it seems like there's a lot of stuff that's going to, that actually was going on there. But yeah, so according to the complaint, not only was the lawyer in question, you know, quote, quiet quitting, doing the bare minimum, not bringing in the work. This was somebody that was of counsel, uh, not bringing in the, the clients and the business that her employment contract had specified, but also doing things like putting in timesheets for a full day's worth of work. But according, according to the complaint, she only logged into her work computer for a few minutes a day and was still doing, you know, timesheets that indicated otherwise. Some uh, people still like researching in the library. <laughs> Maybe that's what will be revealed in the I answer. am shepherdizing cases. <laughs> could, could always be, listen, you got to keep an open mind until you see all the documents and everything gets kind of played out. But she also allegedly started her own law firm while she was employed at her another norm, law firm. Right, at another law firm. The complaint alleges that the, this law firm was in direct competition with the law firm that she was employed at as well. Mm. So obviously there's a lot of a lot of details here. We'll see what winds up happening, whether or not, you know, her fiduciary duties were implicated. But the she has retained counsel, uh, the Wigdor law firm, mm. who does a ton of employment work, especially in the discrimination field. And that's actually what the complaint alludes to, but also the statement from her attorneys so far also talk about is that she says that she was actually a victim of discrimination. And the complaint says that she had these allegations of discrimination in an attempt to, quote, extort money from the law firm once her, you know, quote, scheme of quiet quitting was discovered, um, but never actually filed. And uh, turns out, I think when the answer when when there's more filings, we will hear more about right. what, what what supposedly went on. So yeah, it seems to me as though w when you're when you've got Wigdor involved in this case, that the answer is going to have a lot of mm -hmm. additional counterclaims, counterclaims <laughs> here uh, about what was really going on. Uh, yeah, no, that this is going to be an interesting one to follow. I like I. Look, I mean, I'm going to throw a little bit of shade here. Like, this story was mostly popular because you jumped on the incredibly tired trope of quiet quitting for SEO purposes. Shame on you. Wow. Well, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I do think it's interesting because the complaint mm -hmm. itself right. uh, calls it quiet quitting and kind of foregrounds it when you know, you kind of get this in the opening graphs of a complaint. And then as you're looking at it, it's, it's not necessarily what I would consider quite quitting. There are the, you know, the breaches of the alleged breaches of fiduciary duty. There's the, you know, the time, um, timesheet discrepancies that they're alleging. There's a lot of other stuff in there, but they both kind they foreground in the complaints, the notion of quiet quitting, as well as sort of the other trend that mm -hmm. people like to talk about, you know, post pandemic of people working multiple jobs surreptitiously remotely, right? Yeah. So that both employers are not aware that they have two full-time jobs, but they do, they get the money, they get the, you know, all the stuff for that and don't put in 16 hours a day, but rather, 
throughout the course of eight hours managed to do two full-time jobs. So they, I think that the law firm that filed it, uh, Napoli, uh, Schlocknick, uh, I think that they are wanting, <laughs> you know, this kind of attention to the lawsuit. That's, I think, why they're foregrounding those arguments when I think that, you know, breach of fiduciary duty alleged by attorney is not, it's not what they, what, how they're writing this brief. Yeah, okay. So it's not you who made a cheap SEO play. It's the law firm. <laughs> I'm just I'm reporting what was out there. Oh, well, yeah, no. It it is interesting whether or not this winds up being a quite quitting on trial moment. I don't know. The, and again, this seems like a messier lawsuit than just is quite quitting good or bad, yes or no. You know, I don't think that that this is what this case will wind up being. But I think people are interested to see how judges and and how employment law deals with the concept of quiet quitting mm -hmm. and how does one prove that? And I don't th I think that quiet quitting is used to mean a lot of different things, but I and I'm not sure everything that falls under that banner is something that is problematic even. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is perfectly fine. But, you know, some of the allegations in the complaint are not, you know, if you're putting in a timesheet saying you worked X number of hours and, right. you know, and that's you obviously different. That's, yeah, that's different than quite quitting, I think. Yeah, but it, it is also true that depending on practice areas, you don't need to be logged into your computer true. to be doing legal work. True, that, and, yeah. It, and again, these are allegations. This is only in the complaint stage. We don't know what their response is yet. But it is it is. Fascinating, I think, for that reason. And it's, you know, fairly close to when we first even learned of the concept of quiet quitting and this trend of having mm. multiple remote jobs. And so I think that's what why people are interested. Sure. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Gee, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right. So let's talk uh, Sidney Powell. Ooh, again? Yeah, Sidney Powell, <laughs> who's best known, we, we refer to her as, as the Kraken Queen around here. She's the one who claimed that she was going to file loss, unleash the Kraken and file lawsuits that would get Donald Trump reinstated because of a variety of election law claims. She uh, was wrong about them, though. All, all of these claims were frivolous and were based on like in frivolous on the face of them, like and which gave rise to a bunch of 
ethics complaints about somebody going around and filing frivolous lawsuits uh, mm -hmm. because you shouldn't do that, especially if you're a lawyer. Uh, she has been sanctioned by various courts. In Texas, the state bar looked into it and determined that, yeah, this is probably a reason to disbar somebody. Sure. And filed a action to get that done. That It survived uh, the motion to dismiss to the extent that the judge, who is a Greg Abbott appointee, determined that there was enough, at least in the complaint, to move forward. But on summary judgment, uh, has now tossed these claims, determined there was just not enough to suggest that there's any kind of ethical issue, citing, quote, numerous defects in the state bar's complaint. So when, and, when that's, and that's hear, the headline. Sure. And when you hear numerous defects, you assume they didn't allege enough facts that or the facts just aren't there the or they're made right, up. Or, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, oh, what, yeah. that's what you think. And so every story about this from mainstream outlets, either put in the headline or in the lead, knew this whole dismissed because of numerous defects thing, which does give that impression. Uh, that is, however, I think probably what the judge wanted when they put the word <laughs> numerous defects in here to just distract the mainstream media from looking any so, further. So I'm guessing being not quite mainstream, you dug a little bit deeper. I did. I just was interested in what these numerous defects might be. So I took the step that a lot of people seemingly did not and pulled up the order to see if there was some explanation. So it's a summary judgment order kick, uh, kicking a case. Uh, it is three and a half pages long. That doesn't seem very long for a summary judgment order. Seems very it short. Seems like the first page almost always says almost nothing because like the whole caption is That's there. true. It's three and a half pages counting the caption. Yeah. So it's more, yeah. So it's even it's more less three of pages. substance. Yeah. yeah, so it's three pages long. It says this whole stuff about numerous defects. And then in its facts section, it, it or its section laying out the reasoning, the defects appear to be that mm -hmm. a number of the attached exhibits that were labeled things like exhibit A through F in the, in the briefing itself. Sure. The judge found that when she looked at exhibit A, uh -huh. it wasn't, it didn't seem to be the thing that the brief had had claimed was exhibit A. In fact, like some of them were claimed to be exhibit D, but it was really exhibit F when she started looking into it, Which I'm sure is an irritation as mm -hmm. a judge. Yeah, and, and I think it was you who made this point, like, and that I included ultimately in the story. Like, this is why you always should have a type A paralegal involved. <laughs> For like, sure. To For make sure. sure these things don't happen. However... That doesn't seem like a reason to dismiss a very serious set of allegations. Well, ultimately what happened is the judge determined that because some of these things weren't correctly cited and were misnumbered, she would only consider... It, they, they did have an opportunity to file a supplement, supplementary one, which also had a few problems. Mm -hmm. And based on that, she determined that only two of the documents she would even look at. And of those documents, one of them she, she describes as not competent evidence at summary judgment. She does not define why that is. She just says that it's not. And then the other document is one of the complaints that had been filed, one of the frivolous complaints that had been filed. And the argument there, she says, is that she could only consider that for the truth of the fact that it was filed. She can't, she can't opine on whether or not it was frivolous or not. Which is, huh. which is probably true. You, you need to have that complaint in evidence, and then sure. you need to have other exhibits showing that the things in that complaint were false. 
But the judge has refused to look at the exhibits that are all the evidence of why those claims are false. So she only she only ultimately considered the fact that a the fact that the complaint was filed for the purpose of saying it was filed. She refused to look at anything suggesting why that would be frivolous. So she determined it wasn't. And that's why she kicked it. Wowzer. Yeah. That's not the vindication that you have to imagine Sidney Powell, who believes her her own story, wanted, though. I mean, maybe maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm not altogether sure Powell cares at this point about that. But but you do raise an interesting point, which is if you're a judge in a disciplinary action against an attorney that is going to go on a public record, even if you grant the summary judgment and let the attorney off the hook, you owe it to the attorney to write yeah. a more detailed summary judgment yeah. order because future clients are going to look at this and say, why is it this attorney I'm thinking of hiring been brought up by the state bar to be disbarred? And you're going to want to see something a little bit better than I kind of thought they their submission was a little disorganized as a yeah. better reason why the other side misnumbered exhibits is not really does not fill one with confidence yeah. about the attorney they're about to hire. Exactly. Like if you're if you're saying the person had done nothing wrong, you owe it to them to give a a full reasoning of a detailed reasoning of why it is there aren't claims here. Why there is not a material issue of fact to go forward mm-hmm. to use the uh summary judgment uh, logic here. And that's just not there. The reason there is not a material issue to go forward is she summarily determines that she's not going to look at most of the evidence and then says, well, that's it. If you decide not to look at the majority of the evidence that someone submits, it is unlikely that is going to be a successful submission. And Powell's book of business at this point probably doesn't depend upon any of this. In sure. fact, it probably is enhanced by the fact that they that the state bar tried to go after her. But that's you shouldn't you shouldn't de- decide your practices as a judge based upon uh, exactly outlier cases. this reflects a deeper problem with how they're dealing with cases. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's real. It's real bad. You know, that's uh, that's what's up with our uh, our friend, Sidney Powell, <laughs> who has emailed us before. So, you know, before well. before getting uh, really off the rails. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Like in the old days, I, I, I do remember we we I didn't. But another editor here wrote a story, a profile of her years ago. Like she. She used to be kind of in the in the good graces of folks. I mean, that was true. That's true. Of a lot of folks who kind of got on the Trump wagon and have seen a precipitous decline in their reputation in across the mainstream, right? Yeah. I mean, we didn't always think of Rudy Giuliani as completely out to lunch. Interesting. No, no you did it. Listen, you may <laughs> not have liked him. You may not have voted for him as a New Yorker. And fine. But you didn't think of him as the guy who went to the wrong, who who would deliberately book a landscaping company thinking it was the Four That's Seasons fair. Hotel with, you know, fake hair dye streaming down his. This is not the guy you thought of when you thought of what happened in New York City on 9-11. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. He. Fair point. I don't uh, four four seasons total landscaping. I had not 
That, that was scene. not when you think of the guy who took on the mafia in New York City as a U.S. attorney. You don't think that that turns into what you now know of Rudy Giuliani? I guess that's fair. Anyway, he's. I wonder, does he still have his cameo up? We should look into that. <laughs> I guess we should. <laughs> yeah, see if see if we can get him to do some stuff. All right, let's talk about encyclopedias. Like Encyclopedia Brown? I remember those books. Didn't you like them when you were a kid? I did like them when I was a <laughs> he kid. He seemed like the type. <laughs> See, where, where, where did that come from? How do I... What? <laughs> it's not, it wasn't a dig. It just... It seems to me, if you asked, you know, is, as a child, did Joe Patrice like Encyclopedia Brown? Yes or no? I think the safe money's on yes. Yeah. I just remember having a conversation with... Uh, friend of mine years ago about those books like long after they had kind of faded into memory i brought them up and i was talking about like oh yeah and his friend sally and he responded instantly with sally was a thug and he had a very detailed <laughs> detailed take on why sally should not big, be viewed big as thoughts the hero about encyclopedia yeah. brown anyway but it is true since since you were a child folks is in uh, that scene wait i i don't i don't like how that was phrased don't you don't you though uh <laughs> since you were a child <laughs> polio has disappeared yeah what it's coming back i guess there's that <laughs> uh, no but but since you were a child the notion of what people think of when they think of the word encyclopedia has changed dramatically right you know used to have you know, physical maybe in your books. physical books, maybe you kept it in, in your living room or something like that. And now most people use Wikipedia. Yeah. So as it turns out, Wikipedia has been involved over the last several years in a lawsuit in an effort to help the whole country's uh, rights uh, against unnecessary and warrantless surveillance. For whatever reason, I don't really know why Wikipedia is the is the plaintiff who decided to bring this of all plaintiffs possible, but they <laughs> brought suit in the, in 2015, I believe, trying to argue that mm -hmm. the way in which the federal government surveils people is unconstitutional. And in particular, it is the way in which the government has taken the stance that they are able to search anyone's and everyone's internet traffic mm -hmm. warrantlessly is part of an upstreaming effort to see what international communications are happening. And I assume it wasn't exactly clear to me from a lot of the coverage of this, but that Wikipedia's argument is that they are looking into who's editing stories and not, even though they don't have a warrant to be mm -hmm. gathering that information. Really, they just don't want the NSA to be able to tell what happens when you fall down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. Yeah, like <laughs> when when you accidentally are nine links in, they and you accidentally have ended up on Al-Qaeda now. <laughs> like, but I didn't, it made sense at the time. I was just clicking the next link. It made sense. <laughs> yeah. I started at Raisin Roundies. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so that was that was the claim. Uh, the, the interesting element that made this a Supreme Court case well not a case uh the court right. had rejected it that's the story but the what how this got in front of the supreme court is that the federal government responded to this suit not by defending their practice or anything mm -hmm. like that but by invoking the state secrets doctrine say which says just big middle finger yeah we can we can kill any litigation that might be out there if pursuing the litigation any further might result in us having to disclose state secrets sure um 
This becomes extra problematic when the state secret it would disclose is, in fact, the potentially unconstitutional thing, creating something of a lawlessness zone. Yeah. Uh, where feedback the, loop, really. Yeah, a feedback loop of stupid, as you will, where the federal government can do something unconstitutional and call it a state secret and then never have it be viewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not great. Doesn't sound great. So this got to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court denied cert, and so we, uh, we still are being surveilled. At all times. Wildly unsurprised by that. Yeah. No, it, but, I mean, the question is, who's doing the surveilling? Because I'm sure there are multiple folks who are surveilling me, us, as we speak. Sure. And, like, look, people get upset about big tech corporations doing it. But, you know, at least there you've kind of opted into that decision. Uh, you, you've you chosen to use... You a, chose not to use DuckDuckGo. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, when, when you choose to use some of these tech products uh that make their real money off of data collection mm-hmm. you are you know you're saying you, that that service is worth it to me and you're inviting that yeah when the government is looking into w- suspiciousless suspiciouslessly suspicious without suspicion yeah that, that's much better way to say it yeah when they're when they're doing warrantless without suspicion searches of all communication and then running it through their systems to figure out if they should be suspicious of it, uh, that gets the cart well ahead of the horse mm. and then kills the horse. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not good. No. Yeah, no, and this is an ongoing problem and it's uh, kind of a lingering effect of the war on terror that like nobody, you know, people granted this state of emergency and then nobody has, nobody, we haven't of unwound any, politi- any of that. <laughs> of any political stripe seems willing to unwind it uh, because nobody wants to be seen as the person going backward to when the country ran efficiently, you know, not efficiently, <laughs> when the country ran properly. Sure. I mean, part of it is, you know, you don't want to seem be seen as supporting terrorists. And this country is not great at nuance in mm. politics. So here we are. Yeah, I, I I think the the nuance point is the is the key one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't actually think people who are opposed to this are pro terrorist, but I see how that might be the story at the end of this. Yeah. All right. Well, so is there anything else, real quick? I think that's that's, that's all everything. we got for the last week of February. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's a short I, uh, month. February, February is rough on me. I like it, it's it, it's only a couple of days, but it's the couple of days that make all of my calculations for how my month is going off. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way it's almost over. There's plenty of days left, and then it just really isn't amazing. Yeah. In fact, this episode's not even coming out until March, so technically, sure, this is your first day of March. Yes, yes, technically, anyway. as a as a purely technical matter. All right. Well, we'll be back next week when I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk about ABA Tech Show because, of course, legal technology, the most exciting thing for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine doesn't like legal tech as much as it's I not, do. As much as you do. I don't think anyone likes legal tech as much as you do. Oh. I do. Uh, that That's my opinion. I could guarantee that's not true. Anyway. <laughs> Pepsi yeah. challenge. Yeah. I mean, I've been screaming into the wind that there are a lot of people who like it more. Uh, but anyway, with that said, we're coming to the conclusion of this episode. Thanks, everybody, for 
tuning in. Uh, you should be subscribed to the show. You should leave it reviews, uh, write things, give it stars. <laughs> I think I think I've broken Catherine. She's giggling, and it's about to come through the radio here. I think uh, you should. Be, I, I got my shit together. <laughs> maybe uh, you should also be reading above the law so that you can uh, see new stories before they come out. You know that we talk about here before we even get to here. You should be following us on social media at ATL Blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. You should be listening to other podcasts. She's the host of The Jabot. I'm a guest on the Legal Tech Week Journalist Roundtable. We're also... Other people really like Legal Tech. Yeah, other people on that also really like Legal Tech. We, You should listen to the other shows by the Legal Talk Network. And with all that, we will uh, let Catherine off the hook before she bursts out laughing again and be done. Peace, y'all. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.